Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's the return of Trilogy Weeks. Woohoo! Yes, that's right. After last year, when we watched the Back to the Future trilogy and we enjoyed it so much, we've decided to bring back another trilogy of films. So the next three episodes will all be set in a trilogy, examining film after film after film. At the live 100th episode of the podcast, we let the audience decide what trilogy it was going to be, and they picked the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, yes, we are here today uh, examining a three-part trilogy, uh, which will probably take us about three weeks to actually watch. They're (laughs) they're fairly lengthy (laughs) films. Uh, But we have, uh, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film and will be joining us for these three episodes as we venture through Middle Earth, uh, it's Rihanna Hall, everybody. How are you, Ree? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. You've not seen The Lord of the Rings? I have not. Shame. Um, I know. So I think when I was growing up, uh, I grew up with two brothers uh, uh, in the middle. Uh, and my older brother absolutely loved Lord of the Rings. So as a stubborn younger sister, I refused to watch it. You could it. have given the satisfaction. I could not. I could not. He probably doesn't even remember himself at the moment. But anyway... Uh, and then as I kind of got older, I just never really, you know, did. Uh, people often have issues with it when I tell them. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> my friend at work, actually, hello, Carly, if you're listening, um, is um, she's going to be listening tonight because she really wants me to watch this. So mm. she wants me to text her as I'm watching it as well, which I don't know if I will. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm super excited to see it finally. Uh, and yeah, see what I think. So what do you actually know about The Lord of the Rings? So I, I have seen like the first five minutes because I did start to watch it, but then fell asleep because I was really comfortable and it was quite late. So mm-hmm. um, so I kind of know like the, the pre-setting of it that um, there's this big old bad guy who like forged a ring. Oh, he forged quite a lot of rings, didn't he? Uh, but then there was this one ring this is where I started to fall asleep. <laughs> Kate Blanchard's voice is very soothing. It's so soothing. Mm. Uh, and this one ring that is like the, uh, maybe the most evil of them all. Who knows? That um, a little little Frodo. Is it Frodo? Is he the one who finds it? You'll find out. <laughs> anyway, guy gets hold of the ring and he's like, oh no. Uh, oh, a wizard tells him. He's like, hey, you need to keep this safe. You gotta take it to some place, and it's all about that journey of getting it to some place. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. That's a pretty uh, good summary. Yeah. yeah. Our other guest, I should say, uh, Andrew David. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Um, yes, uh, she's not wrong. That's that's that, so- that's pretty much it in a nutshell. It's a good yeah. one line. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much. Yeah. You know, that does nut down essentially the first section of the film. So. Right. That, that's a good uh, starting point. Andrew, uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you again. Um, you are a big fan of The Lord of the Rings. I am. I watch these films way too often. Uh, I own the Blu-ray. Extended edition is all I watch, pretty much. Um, and when I was younger, I would just sit I would just sit and like re-watch and re-watch the behind the scenes. Um, at this point, for me, it's more looking at the technical marvel that it is mm-hmm. as, a, as a piece of cinema. I'm like I don't I don't need to pay attention to the story anymore. I just I just know what that is, hmm. um, and yeah, I just I love it. Yeah, I, I should point out for those uh, listening at home, we are watching the theatrical releases. Uh, we are not watching the extended versions <laughs> because um, these podcasts take time, and I do not have that much time <laughs> to to do. So yes, the theatrical releases are what we're watching. Um, in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, 
Um, what what do you think Rihanna can expect from this first film, this Fellowship of the Ring film that sets us off on this journey? Um, it's a good question. I guess it, it, it's kind of, this is the film that establishes the family and the world. And I, I think it's a film that you'll, you'll look at and you'll clock a lot of things that you recognize from other media. Mm. It's such an influential piece of uh, literature and just um, storied history. Mm. With all that being said... Shall we watch The Fellowship of the Ring? Let's get to it. I I promise I will stay awake this time. And for those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs and prepare to simply walk into Mordor as we watch The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Everybody, we're all uh, putting on a bit of enthusiasm here because uh, it's late and, <laughs> and we have to unpack the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. By we, I of course mean Andrew David. Hello, and Rihanna Hall. Hello, Rihanna. Uh, you look yeah. bubbly and sprightly for someone who's just seen Lord of the Rings for the first time. What did you think? I I really enjoyed it. Um, I was just saying, like, because I asked how long it actually went for, and it didn't feel like three hours. Um, How long did it feel? I'm curious. I don't know. But like when it was finishing, when it finished, sorry, I was like, oh, 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 okay. Oh, yep. No, we're done. (laughs) Like I was ready to sit in there for another hour or so. So There's a lot going on, but they're they're really good at keeping the pace flowing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm I'm really glad you had that reaction, partly because obviously we've got another two to go. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There's more. (laughs) um, But I I agree. Uh, The first time I saw the film, which was a VHS copy. Uh, sorry, two VHSs. Uh, you have to rewind them at the start. Uh, yeah, it's one of those where it was like it was too big to get on one VHS, <laughs> yeah. I think. So it was like a two VHS thing yeah. that we watched in the early 2000s. Uh, I remember getting to the end of the film and having that same thing of going, what? But, yeah. uh, but, but, but it's uh, done. I want to watch more of it. Yeah. I want to find out. Because it really <laughs> it really does draw you in. Um, Andrew, when, when did you last watch Fellowship? Oh, uh, probably l- late last year sometime. Probably... Hmm. Six months ago would probably be accurate, yeah. Okay, and um, I, I know you said previously you watched this film a lot. Yeah. Um, probably like at least once a year, I imagine. Yeah, yeah thereabouts. Um, did anything jump out as being different this time? Because I'm, I'm always curious with, with people that watch films a lot. What the one thing I noticed that I feel dumb I never picked up on, when the Nazgul is like uh, looming over the tree mm. and they throw the bag that distracts him. Yeah. I always just thought it was like rocks or utensils or something. I didn't realize ah. it was the mushrooms they had literally just picked. Right. I've never noticed that before until tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it is just one of those films where you rewatch it, you rewatch it and go, oh yeah. Like oh. having done the trivia troll, which was a real troll for this film. <laughs> there's a lot coming up, guys. Um, one of the things I never noticed was that they only show one half of um, Viggo Mortensen's face in the um, Barlin's tomb fight section because he'd badly bruised it beforehand. Yeah. Um, and so when he's holding his sword, it's like covering the half oh. of his face that's bruised. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot to unpack, so let, let's get on to let's it. Let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, so Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, based on the first book of the trilogy by J.R.R. Tolkien, begins with a seven-minute prologue of the history of the ring and the history of Middle-earth itself. Um, as a first-time viewer, Rihanna, mm, mm. did that help? Uh, yes, it definitely mm. did set the scene. Um, and kind of... Because I think the world is quite complex. Um, so definitely for like a, a first-time viewing, it's nice to have that little structure of like, this is what has happened in the past, you know, 100 years or whatever. Mm. Um, and this is where we are now kind of thing. So that, yeah, it was really helpful. Mm. And it's very, very, again, like most uh, most things in this film, despite the fact it's so long, quite tight. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that they go to the effort of showing you just what you need to know. Mm. And then they, they leave it hanging. There is so much more history behind everything that is happening. But it's like, the important things are, there was a dude called Sauron. There was a big war. He's had a ring. Moving on. Yeah. Evil ring. Evil ring. <laughs> even even the stuff with Gollum, I think, is only lightly touched upon. Mm. It's like, this yeah. dude Gollum had it for a while, which you obviously won't know yet, Rihanna, mm. um, because Gollum is a much bigger part of the next two films. Well, yeah, because I've, I've seen 
uh, obviously I know who Gollum is. Mm. Um, that, that sort of come through the popular culture. (laughs) So I was surprised at how little he was in this episode, but obviously then remembering there are two more. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we, the ring ends up, uh, with Bilbo Baggins, uh, Hobbit extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we then hasn't aged a day. No, not at all. (laughs) Uh, although it doesn't look as much like Martin Freeman as, uh, (laughs) uh, but yes, uh, cut forward 60 years. We're in the Shire. Beautiful, gorgeous Shire. Oh, so nice. It it is. It's just, I mean, this is a pretty film. Yeah. But the Shire, they do an excellent job of going, this is the really pretty thing. Yeah. It's just so homely as well. Like, Mm. I I just fell in love with Hobbits there and then because they're just like, they're obsessed with food and like, so am I. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, no, I feel you, buddies. (laughs) They they spend so much time setting up the Shire as this lovely sheltered place place so yeah. when they leave it and they head out into the big bad world it really drives home especially when you get to breathe for the first time mm. there's all these tall terrifying looking humans yeah. it really drives home how important it is what they're leaving behind yeah and and obviously that becomes more important as it goes on as well as they spend more and more time out in the big bad world and the shire is this it has to like be a idyllic haven. yeah, yeah it has to be idyllic mm. for them to want to return to it mm. and we only get halfway through this film and Frodo's like oh I miss the Shire already <laughs> yeah. he's having the chat with Bilbo <laughs> looking at the map and it's it's just oh you've got so so like, much more to go yeah buddy. we could go home now I guess yeah yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, characters in this film uh, there's a lot of fantastic actors but I feel as though watching it this time one of the things that really stood out for me is how much of the first two thirds of this film is really Gandalf's film yeah, yeah. Um, having obviously uh, Sir Ian McKellen playing this this fa- very wise wizarding mm. character who is sort of slowly unpacking the mystery of where did this ring come from and what's its history and then realising that they're in a bit of a pickle and um, sending the hobbits off on their adventure he's he's with the exception of Frodo, he's probably the character that's in this film the most. He's he's almost the leading man. Yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, yeah, good claim. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely driving the film for the first third. He's, he's the one kicking everyone else into gear. He's the one that discovers mm. what this ring is. And he's like, uh, sorry, Frodo, you have to do something about this, whether mm-hmm. you want to or not. He's like, I'm too powerful to touch it, so yep. it's up to you, you little dwarf. <laughs> oh no, sorry, Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I think it's... There's so many things that about this film that work. At least for me, I feel it's it is one of my favorite sort of fantasy films to go and watch. Um, in fact, uh, just the weekend before we recorded this um, for a friend's birthday party, <laughs> we watched all six of the Middle Earth films <laughs> over um, over a two day. I don't know if we did the Hobbit as well. We did the Hobbit, and we did extended editions oh, of all six. I um, haven't even gone for the Hobbit extended yet. It's sort of worth it. It's. It's worth watching once to say that you've done it, I think. Okay. However, the Fellowship, uh, sorry, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm-hmm. um, extended editions are obviously brilliant. They're, they're yeah. really fun. But um, but watching the this particular film, um, just a couple of days having just seen it, it really stands out. One of the things that really stands out is how important those performances from those key actors are. And arguably... Ian McKellen might be the most important one that they got right. Yeah, because it's such a fantastical world and you could easily slip into hamming it up too much, mm. but they make them really grounded characters. We're, mm. we're still having a lot of uh, personality to them, but they're not. It's, it's not like watching a kid's fantasy cartoon or something. Yeah. It's like these are real characters that just happen to be in this fantastical setting. Mm. Well, that's it. Like, I think it's, it's nice that uh, Gandalf is this almost like an all-knowing kind of being, but he still is quite goofy. So you can't, like, you know, he bangs his head. And, yeah. You know, he can't quite solve the little riddle. And he's mm. like, oh, drat. <laughs> and like, so it kind of, you know, it makes him lovable still and not just this, like, pompous, you know. I know everything. Yeah. 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 And I, I I think it's that 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 performance and that... What it is, I think, is that at no point do I not believe that Ian McKellen is Gandalf. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a... It's one of those things that I think is quite tricky, particularly with fantasy, because there are countless examples of fantasy films where the acting is not quite great. Where it's not, and, it, and it's not because the actors aren't good mm. um, in some cases. I think what it is more is that it's just, particularly with high fantasy, it's quite hard to find those connections to what might be considered a real character. Yeah. 
Um, and that's something that I don't think this film really suffers from. Yeah, it, mm. it's like how the challenge of portraying, you know, an all-powerful angel who, like, wizard character, mm. um, you add humanity to him. Yeah. Like, mm. popping his head, being mm. goofball, like, showing up for kids, um, <laughs> punishing uh, uh, Pippin and Mary for messing with his fireworks. Mm. It, yeah, you just give him these very human elements that just happened to be part of his character. Yeah. Uh, so while we're in the Shire, we meet all these lovely hobbits. Obviously, Bilbo is there, played by Ian Holm, and just doing a great job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as obviously Frodo, uh, played by Elijah Wood, who I think might actually have a ring of power, because I don't think he he's aged. aged. He actually hasn't aged. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite I, scary. I think I was Especially watching, like, Dirk Gently Dirk Gently, he looks almost he, exactly the he's same. He's exactly the same. <laughs> he's a little bit thinner in the face. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, like, him compared to... Oh, who plays Samwise again? Uh, Sean Astin. Sean Astin. I feel a little bit bad for Sean Astin. He's aged gracefully. But Sean Astin has definitely aged. Yeah. Well, I think most of them have, um, Mm. to be honest. Like, uh, you know, particularly when you look at uh, Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan as as Pippin and Mary. Yeah. You're looking at them going, oh, they were such babies. Um, I had the good fortune of meeting Billy Boyd a couple of years ago. That'd be great. And he, he looks like he looks more his age in person than he does in this film i don't know what they've done to him but he, he looks like he's about 12 and it's amazing um but yeah and, and and they're such great characters and i think one of the things with particularly the hobbits when you've got four of these characters who are all from a very similar place um there is the danger that you could make them all too similar i don't think you get that in this um, I, at least I don't know. Did you feel Rihanna? No, I, fe- I felt like they all kind of had their own little quirks and um, they all had their own journeys as well, mm. which I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, forgive me for names, but what were the, the two? Pippin who? Pippin and Mary. Pippin and Mary. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, even though those two were very... They're very Rosencrantz and they're very the, Yeah, like but they're, they're also very the two package deal, but mm. they're still very different yes. in each in a, Pippin's in the themselves. jokester, Mary's like... They're still jokesters, but yeah. Mary's the more serious one. Yeah. 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 And I think it's... Because oh, obviously they're in the next film as well. I think the, the way, obviously, Tolkien oh, wrote good. the story... They got carried away, didn't they? they? Did. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, when, um, when, when Tolkien wrote these stories, um, obviously he made he made them quite distinct um uh, within the books but i think something they do quite well in the films is is give them that space to become individual characters yeah which um i, I think is quite good because again it, it, one of the things i think this film does fantastically well and it's something that loads of people have said before is that they just treat everything with a lot of respect and reverence um you can tell from things like the detail and the costuming and the art department mm. and um, just, just the production design in general. Yeah. Beautiful. The, yeah. And that's something you were saying that yeah. you enjoy watching these films for these yeah. days is, you know, the story off by heart, but you enjoy just looking at it and going, God, that's a lot of effort. Yeah. What really um, stood out to me was uh, the mirror, the the glade with Galadriel and the mirror. And just looking at like the the detail on the rocks of like holding up the, the pool that the mirror's in. Mm. And in the background, you see like all the same designs in the rock work and like these little waterfalls going. And I'm just like, oh, so much money went into this and so much mm. love. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Cause like, I didn't notice any of that. Cause obviously first time seeing perfect. it, I was like, okay, I'm looking at the where you want me to look movie. So mm. I'm looking at just, you know, the action. So yeah. It's but unless you you're looking for details, you yeah. don't want the audience to notice details because you yeah. just want them to feel like it's part of the world which yeah. they did such a good job with and they did i mean i i caught myself looking at gimli's costume towards the end of this film uh because i lo- i've always loved the, like the design of his helmet yeah but then i was looking at like his his overcoat and like looking at the way his i was his... looking at like, the different embroidery lines yeah. on like the shoulders yeah today. i'm just yeah. going god like, oh. they really put a lot of effort into <laughs> this it's and it is just a lovely, lovely film to look at in that mm, sense. If you like yeah. um, aesthetics, if you like yeah. looking at those designs, um, it is fantastic. And you get a good variety as well. You've got, you know, Rivendell with all its leaves and then you've got Moria, which is very dank and, and gloomy mm. and, and falling up to pieces. And it's just wonderful. It's just, yeah. some, it's, <laughs> it's just something that really tickles my fancy. Yeah. yeah, and they make everything feel like it's in the same world, mm. but each um, scene is like distinct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, uh, the ring itself, 
turns out it's bad. They decide, let's get it. <laughs> Who let's, knew? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get it out of here. Um, so, the elves can deal with it. We're sure. It's fine. Yeah, the elves deal with it. Get to Hugo Weaving. He can, he can figure it out. Certainly. Yeah. So Frodo and Sam are sent off while Gandalf goes and visits his old friend, uh, Saruman, who is oh, in... Oh, God. Mm. I put the note down. Um, what did I write? Christopher Lee having a great time. <laughs> He's loving it so much. He is. Christopher Lee, who, um, as we'll find out in the trivia section, a massive Lord of the Rings fan, mm. um, is just quite clearly having a wonderful time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Living his best life. <laughs> and it's, it's, Saruman's a great character. Um, and I, the thing that surprised me, I think, was just how quickly it's revealed Saruman's gone bad. Well, well for me, because I was... You know, as soon as they introduce him and he's like, oh, hello, Saruman, or whatever. And I'm like, that name is a bit too close to Sauron, Sauron. for me. Yeah. So automatically, I think that this guy is sketchy, but let's see. And, and then he's... two seconds later, I'm like, gold it. <laughs> yeah. And whereas Gandalf is like really warm and homely, he looks very cold. Yeah. And he's, the tower is this giant black tower with spikes at the top and the inside. It's like all like sheeming obsidian. Yeah. And you're like... Yeah, he really is just a bad guy. Yeah, I had this note in my um, phone because I took notes and it just says in capitals, Saruman compromised! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he is. He's compromised. He has made uh, contact with Sauron through the... um, now I forget the name of them. Oh. The Palantir is. I always forget. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't. The magic bowling ball with pictures. Oh yeah, a magic scrying ball. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Sarah Curtis will be here for the next episode. She will correct <laughs> everything. everything. Yes, um, but yeah. So he's in contact and in league with Sauron. Traps Gandalf on the roof after that excellent wizard oh, fight. Boss oh. wizard fight. Yeah. So good. Yeah. The old guys whack each other Just with like, like flying stars around the room. I'm like, oh. My favorite bit though is where I think it's Saruman throws Gandalf and he slides across the floor and goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I love that one. Um, It's just so well put together. Gandalf is captured, and then they rip up all the trees, and they start to build uh, or turn Isengard into this place where there's orcs, and they're creating the Urukai. Why rip up the trees though? Like, were they just like for firewood? Fuel for the forges. Fuel at real estate. Like, does he Mm. realize how terrible it looks now? (laughs) Also, Tolkien did put into these books a very heavy industrial versus environmental ah, message nice. you'll see in the next film it's very yeah. ambitious yeah. and very good yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah so they they rip up the trees they mm. they start building this army it takes a while in this film uh to to get to the urukai mm. now being a thing yeah it, i was this is like for the first time i started clocking whenever they go back to saruman i'm like what's saruman doing now what is because it just it's the part of the flow of the film but every now and it kind of breaks it always breaks the flow it, it still works but it's mm. like and Saruman's talking to an orc. Yeah. And now the Zurukai. Just standing there go, Do you know why the orcs come from? Blah, Let blah, me blah. monologue at you in my amazing <laughs> voice. So, Gandalf, you attempted to <laughs> climb the mountain. And obviously, you're right, Christopher Lee is having the best time. He even gets to do some of this opera singing that he loved doing. Oh, yeah. What? When? Yeah. Oh, when he's on top of the uh, tower and yeah. he's trying to bring the snow like down. Oh, spell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that's him singing. Cool. Christopher Lee uh, had a set of pipes on him. There's a the, oh, there's a Christmas album. album I have to... Oh, yeah. Did I hear that he was in like a metal band or he something? He has like, a fantasy like metal 90? band. Um, I mean, he had, rest in peace. Gonna, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he released a number of albums under like this fantasy metal label. It's what a amazing. Guy. And it's kind of him doing like, operatic singing to this metal fantasy. <laughs> it, I can't explain it. You just have to witness it. Yeah, it's, it, it is something special. Um, but yeah, so Gandalf does eventually get away mm-hmm. with the old uh, grab an eagle maneuver, which he yeah. uses... Uh, Several times over both The Hobbit and The Lord oh, of the Rings right. combined. <laughs> it's a it's a popular trick. It should be an act one tw- so trick. So yeah. can I ask, does he come back? Does or who come back? Gandalf. That would be spoilers. Yeah. Am I going too, ahead, too far ahead? You, you'll just have to wait till the next one. Oh, I was like, surely he can't actually be dead. We're well, talking that's... about fellowship here. We can't mm. be talking about two towers. Oh. It's a very big drop. Oh, it is a big And that's mm. what I thought. I was mm. like, what? Come on! <laughs> and he's down there with a giant, giant devil. But, but maybe the what, what was it that scooped him up? Oh, an eagle got in maybe. there. Maybe another yeah, eagle. Well, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yes, um, and actually, yeah. So, so 
they they get to they get to Rivendell. Then we get the second act of the film where it really kicks in, going right. Here's your new super best friends. We've got yeah. Aragon, who's Strider, who <laughs> is this he smolders. And yeah, he looks serious and he's really good with his sword. Yeah, and yeah. he's the he's the heir to the throne of Gondor, but he doesn't really want it. And also, <laughs> he's got this elf girlfriend. He's basically got a load of plots. It feels as though if this was like a a D and D session, he's the main character. Aragon is one of the like yeah. the main player characters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, even watching this as a kid, Aragon is the guy who you care about as a kid because he's a cool badass with mm. the sword and the bow with the hot elf girlfriend. He's going to be the king one day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yes, that is everyone's first D and D character. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think you get the other more. Uh, more fun D&D characters on top of that. You get Legolas, who's just an elf who's elfin all over the place. Yeah. It's it's Orlando Bloom, straight out of drama school. Um, Is it? He got the job. He's like 19. He's 19 when yeah. he got the job, and Aww. he also got the job two days before he graduated from drama school. Oh, so he hadn't even graduated yeah. when he got yeah. the job. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then, of course, from this, he goes on to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And just a great few years there. Yeah. Oh, on Orlando Bloom for a minute. Um, you gotta, you're not going to be out to see it because of mm. how much how much is going on. But if you can, mm. just pay attention to Orlando Bloom in the background of all the shots in the oh, next okay. few films because yes. he just kind of like stands there making weird faces. Oh, good. It's amazing. Yes. Uh, Orlando, uh, Legolas face, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's, yeah, it was something I was made aware of uh, at the recent um, party. And he does pull a lot of very interesting faces yeah. when he's in the background. Um, Fun. Yeah. I'll have to see if I can pick him up. Mm. Uh, John Reese davis is Gimli. Oh, so good. And just, again, dwarfing it up yeah. like the best of dwarves. Nobody <laughs> tosses a dwarf. Yeah. And again, he's everything you want. He's got a big beard, a Scottish accent. He's rude. Yeah. Uh, falls over a lot. Beats people up with an axe. Um, also too tall. Well, I mean, real life, they, they, yes. They hide it very well. He's the tallest member of the cast. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's over six foot. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, do, does pretty well with uh, with levels. And so that, he's on his knees the whole time, basically. Walking around well, with, like, shoes on his knees. Well, the way they, the way they did it with them, it, it is interesting, the, the different techniques they used. Mm. So, so there, many. There was yeah. a lot of forced perspective. So, for example, when in that shot where Gandalf and Frodo are in the carriage and mm. it's driving through Hobbiton, down, yeah. they're, they're both in that carriage together. Right. But Ian McKellen is sat three feet in front of Frodo. Oh, wow. And the other thing they did is, like, they basically made the whole cart oblong. Yeah. So Frodo's side, it kind of, it, it, uh, it kind of expands bigger. out, and they've yeah. built that half of it bigger, and they shoot oh, it so you cool. can't tell. I did wonder. Yeah. I think I had a note that said, like, how are they doing this? Yeah. Maybe children? <laughs> they do, that, do use children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there are a lot of shots where they used uh, either, like, actors of, Shorter stature, mm. or children, or, mm. or just all really tall actors as well. Yeah. There's a few really tall people who are like Gandalf like when it's Elijah. Ian yeah. Holm is like hugging Gandalf, and you see Ian oh, Holm's face. Yeah. It's just a really tall guy yeah. in like a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So they did a lot of things like that as well. Mm. And then there's a few shots where obviously they've they've edited them in together. Yeah. The shots in Bag End where it's uh, Ian Holm and uh, Ian McKellen, and he's taking his hat and his cane uh, mm. staff off mm. him and putting yeah. it. The way they did that is they built two versions of the set. One mm. where um, Ian Holm, one that was hobbit-sized and one that was human-sized. Yeah, right. So Ian McKellen's in the really small one, banging his head on things. <laughs> and Ian Holm is in the, the normal sort of like sized yeah. one. So that, they, and then they just filmed it twice That's and over, really cool. overlaid it. And it's, it's just seamless. Oh, a so lot good. of work, but really, like, it pays off. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also get Boromir. Yeah. Da, 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 da. It's, it's Sean Bean. Sean you know Bean. what's going to happen. Yeah. Sean Bean. <laughs> He's going to die. I, he lasted quite a while, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good on you, Sean. Yeah. He almost made it to the end <laughs> of the film. Almost. Yeah. And, um, but a really interesting character in Boromir, who is, you know, someone who is seen as uh, a very strong character you know he's the son of the steward of gondor so he's essentially like kind of like the prince but mm. not and yeah. he's this warrior hero from this like city of men and he's come and he's going to save the day and he's reveals particularly in lothlorien that he is just crumbling under that pressure mm. like he is under a lot of pressure from a lot of people and it's eating away at him i i think the worst thing about not watching the extended edition is in the next couple of in the two towers there's flashbacks to Boromir and like his father mm. and like it shows Boromir like the weight his father puts on him and how much yeah, of it right. and 
I'm going to say dick, mm. much of a dick <laughs> his father is to him. Mm. And you really feel for Boromir as a character and you feel Aww. for the pressure he was under. Yeah. Uh, and you get, you do see that because Sean Bean is such a good actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, he is really good in this. I mean, yeah. obviously he'd, he'd come to it from having played Sharp for about 20 years or whatever <laughs> it was. And it was just great for like being a rough and tumble kind of yeah. actor. And um just does such a good job as Boromir. Yeah. Um, oh, ca- I was so happy that I was able to see the scene where that meme is born as well. The one does not simply walk. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, there's so another memes. one. <laughs> so Followed many memes. Followed immediately by my my sword. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of memes a in this lot film. Of them. It really actually is surprising when you're paying attention to it. It's a bit like, there's a few things like that. Uh, how many times Frodo falls over? Oh my mm. God. Yeah. Yes. All the time. For a guy with such big feet, like he's got <laughs> terrible balance. Yeah. He's getting knocked over. He's getting skewered by trolls. Oh, it's just, he's falling down and finding mushrooms. It's just, it's happening all the time. Um, so we have our fellowship. They go to yeah. Lord Elrond's uh, council. Uh, Hugo Weaving's there. Again, great casting. Mm. Just doing a great job yeah. um, and they get sent off on the quest uh, they're in Moria some cool fight scenes <laughs> Balrog turns up uh oh ah. Gandalf falls big and dies big sorrowful moment um, yeah and I, I, I think that's one of the best bits of the three films mm. is the minute two minutes after he falls yeah, 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 everyone collapsing on on the uh, the outskirts of Moria. Yeah, Aragorn saying we yeah. have to move or we will die, yeah. and just really driving home mm. that this is a journey that cannot end till you get to the end. Yeah, you're and in this now. You've got to keep moving. Yeah, and there's the... that like really well placed tear when like Frodo turns, turns. his head and yeah. then the tear falls, and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. There is some great crying in this film, but I think that some... might be the best. That's the best one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just seeing that that agony and that sorrow like you know when like Merry is cradling Pippin who is just in tears mm. and like screaming on the ground and... well because you can look at it as if Pippin caused that to happen with his little uh, knocking the yeah. body down the oh. that, that called the orcs and then the goblins and then oh, no. Balrog showed up and he's probably in that moment on the ground crying because he's blaming himself yeah. well the last thing that like uh, Gandalf kind of did Next say to him. Next time, threw yourself down the well. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it's brutal. It, it is brutal. It's just so well put together. And you know, you've got Boromir there going, "Give them a moment for pity's sake." <laughs> Aragorn's like, uh, "We're gonna die, so let's keep we this can't moving." Have a moment. We can grieve later. Can't yeah. grieve if we're dead. No. Um, get to Lothlorien. Meet Kate Blanchett. She's. Oh. Uh, sorry, so, Galadriel, to use her <laughs> stage name. Uh, um, and again, just it's it's that thing of those beautiful aesthetics, the beautiful design, mm. uh, the fact that it's Kate Blanchett, uh, who is just such an amazing presence oh, so in stunning. film. Yeah, and you know, if you're going to get someone to play an elf queen, get Kate Blanchett. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we we I think the finale of this film is kind of a bit strange when you compare it to the next two films the next two films have more obvious sort of big setups for final they build things. to set pieces yeah and they they get to like they're huge yeah this one is very just small character moment it's still like a cool fight it is oh, it's it's a wonderful moment particularly mm. the tracking shot where they that that's the horn of gondor let's go dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that bit where yeah. you see aragon and Going legolas running the down the hill and it follows all these urukai go as they yeah. run down and then yeah, the drums going yeah yeah it's just so cool and yeah. <laughs> um, but but that fight it's a great fight scene but it it, it is almost strangely a little bit anticlimactic in a sense um for me it's one of those things where it's like because moria moria is so well crafted yeah like you've got the fight in balin's tomb and then the confrontation with the balrog mm. It, it almost feels like it's not a letdown, but it's just not quite at the same level. I get what you mean. Yeah. It's not really a set piece as much as the other bits are. Yeah. It's, oh, you're in a forest and there's Rukai. Yeah. It's fight. still a brilliant fight, though. Yeah. And, and of Corey's course, great. The acting's great. Yeah. The, uh, the set and costumes are all great. Yeah. yeah. And poor Boromir, Sean Beans, it just gets yeah. shot three times. And just keeps, keeps going. going. Mm. Keeps going. Keeps going. Got to protect those halflings. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, I thought he was going to be saved at one point, and I was like, is Sean B not going to die? Oh, no. Okay, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Mm. But again, and again, another beautiful sort of death-based scene Mm. between him and Aragorn. Oh, it was so beautiful. My Mm. captain, my king. 
God, I love that line. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, I mean, it's, it is kind of cool. It's and just one of those things. that's another thing yeah. that, uh, speaking of like things you pick up on after a couple of watches, and I've picked it up before, but like the first eight years of watching this film, I didn't notice it. But um, Aragorn takes Boromir's Vambrises yeah. and puts them on at the very end. Um, oh. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to take this bit of Boromir with me. Mm. And it's, it is just cool where it's like, yeah, we're going to use this. Um, makes sense uh, within the world of the story, but yeah. it's also like a nice touching thing. It's like him accepting Gondor as well. Yeah, yeah. which will become key as we go. Um, <laughs> it's And yeah, and the film finishes on on this interesting note where Merry and Pippin have been captured, Boromir's dead. Um, so Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli are now doing the proper D&D party thing of like, yeah. all right, we've got an objective. Let's go rescue our friends. We've <laughs> yeah. got three different classes. Let's go. go. Um, and meanwhile, Frodo and Sam are actually doing what they're meant to be doing yeah, and taking... Classic party split. Yeah, mm. taking the ring to Mordor mm. with that wonderful shot of them walking into the rocky crevasse. Descending with, into hell. Yeah, uh, very distant Mordor in the background. Yeah. And, oh, and bless Sam as well. Mm. Being like, I'm coming with you! And he's yeah. like drowning and it's like, oh! <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty sure Tolkien has gone on record as saying Samwise Gamgee is the hero of the story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there's a lot of different types of heroism yeah. in the film. So obviously Frodo is is burdened with a task that he shouldn't have to do, but is doing it anyway. And yeah. it's very much like, I love the, the central message, or at least I feel it's one of the central messages of this film, which is when Gandalf tells Memoria, you know, um, people in hard times don't wish they could be elsewhere. Mm. It's what you choose to do with the time that's given to you. I think it's such a wonderful mm. sentiment. And then you see Samwise's thing of just like pure loyal friendship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Merry and Pippin's bravery, you know, when they're like attracting the Urukai yeah. going, we're over here. Yeah. Because they understand Frodo needs to go. And, yeah. and then even when they're forming the fellowship, they're immediately jumping to being like, uh, whatever Frodo's doing, we're doing because mm. yeah. we need to be there for him. And then you see those other types of heroism, like obviously Gandalf and Boromir both sacrificing themselves. Mm. Um, you, you know, Aragorn just going in like balls first to every fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's invincible, is he? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. He's like, I've got so much destiny. I can't be killed. Um, it, it is great to see those different levels of bravery. One of the things that really stood out for me um, in terms of like significant moments is right near the start of the film and it's Bilbo dropping the ring. Yes. it's. It, I feel it's a little bit underplayed or at least it's maybe it's just something I didn't notice but he's pretty much the only character that has been shown who has willingly given up the yeah, ring. Isildur true. doesn't give it up. Gollum loses it and mm. doesn't give it up. And Bilbo struggles and, you know, has a go at Gandalf and they have that brief argument. Realizes he's yeah. outmatched. <laughs> but he still has the ring. Yeah. And he, even though it's paining him to do it, he does the slow tip of the hand and it drops and it hits the floor with a thud and then off he goes. Yeah. And I just thought, like, that's such a such an interesting and powerful moment. Especially because he's had it for, was it 60 years yeah. as well? So it's not like he's just picked it up and it's like, oh, whatever. Like, it kind of shows in this movie that the long it's kind of like the longer you have it the more it kind of takes control of you so mm. yeah even more powerful uh knowing how long he's had it too and i uh, i made notes of how beautifully that scene and the um following scene was shot especially with after it's just gandalf and the ring and it, it it's shot in such a way that it's showing like the ring has sentience and it's watching gandalf yeah and waiting to see what he does just when I, he briefly touches it and it goes Wah! Yeah. yeah, and he's yeah. like, oh, no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I also really like the fact that when he comes back into the house and the door opens, it's in darkness and the light's coming through the door. Yeah. But then in all the remaining shots, it's lit interior because the house had interior lighting. So it's almost as though... The ring took the light the, away. Yeah, the yeah. ring was just holding ah. this like darkness. And then when he opened the door, it was like, oh, I'm just a ring. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, kidding. Yeah. It's, Don't worry yeah. about me. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It is a beautifully layered film mm. with so many great things. We haven't even touched on the Nazgul, like the ring oh, wraiths. <laughs> such a cool design. Yeah. And just, I mean, what did you think of the ring wraiths, Rihanna? Of the what, sorry? The ring wraiths, the Nazgul, the nine guys in black cloaks who went, Oh, those guys. Oh, with the horrible screams. Yeah. They were terrifying. Yeah. Oh, horrifying. I would be running for sure. 
especially when they come into that like that village well like it's a pretty dank kind of village but and they, at they night knock time, down the gate and kill the gatekeeper oh, and, and they just, just trample like, them and they come into the bedroom where you think that they're like sleeping and they're just like stab 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 yeah. and you're like oh they're all gone <laughs> <laughs> yeah party wipe yeah no. and, and, then like... the, and then the worst bit is when they realize they're not there and then they let out that horrible scream mm. oh god it just keeps going yeah and yeah. then you have the beautiful fight on Amon Hen where mm. they actually stab Frodo in the in the shoulder oh yeah um, there's the bit where they're chasing after Arwen and mm. they get wiped out by the wave the horse Give wave the that was great yeah. yeah it's just and they're just they're just cool to look at like the ring wraiths are just like oh their armor design like the like the overly cowed hoods yeah. it's just mm. all of it is beautiful yeah even the horses the fact the horses got like blood, blood trickles down yeah. the legs and like, yeah, nails. like nails out of the hooves yeah and... i thought it was really cool that when in that moment where they do stab frodo because he's got the ring on that you actually do see them mm. like you know in their true form i thought that was really cool it was almost like a true sight kind of thing yeah that, that's kind yeah. of where that stuff comes oh, from because like, he's like on the ethereal plane yeah. and he's seeing the spirits of them yeah because the, their black uh riding form that's not what they look like that's yeah, they're their disguised disguise. as that that's yeah. what it says yeah. yeah so with all that being said yeah um what are you most looking forward to in two towers now rihanna Ooh. what what's the well, thing you want to see uh if gandalf is alive <laughs> that's for sure mm-hmm. um but I, yeah, I just kind of see want to see where it goes. Where you know, especially because we do have a bit of a party split now. Mm. Um, you know what what's ahead for each side of the party, and um, yeah, and I know what location is next as well. Mm. And in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, Andrew, <laughs> what is the thing that you think Rihanna will enjoy the most about Two Towers? Um, the forest. Good and call. just everything in the forest. That's Good call. all I'm going to say. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mm. With that being said, guys, would you like some trivia? Oh, I'd yes, love please. some trivia. All right. There's a lot of it. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Buckle in. Yeah. Um, so, Sir Christopher Lee, Saruman, uh, read The Lord of the Rings once a year, every year of his life. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, from when he first read the books. I don't think he read it as a baby. Um, <laughs> he is also the only member of the cast or crew to have met J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh. Oh, cool. Mm. Uh, he was a big old fan of this. There was yeah. no way he wasn't going to be involved. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, yeah. He would have taken it as a personal offense, and you do not want to personally offend Christopher. He would have just taken down the movie. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, yeah. if I'm not a part of it, it's not going ahead. No. And I, I don't think you could have cast him in another in another role and gotten oh, more out of it. Yeah. No. Like, because obviously, you know, being a big fan, I'm sure he would have been like, I, I could do a Gandalf. That would be fun. But I think. I, think oh, I could play Saruman. Frodo it he's, would be great <laughs> yeah he's, but at the, at the time of life he came to it because he's, he's in his late 70s when they're mm. filming this yeah. um, and they got him back for when they did the Hobbit stuff mm. um, and he was in his 90s when yeah, he shot yeah. that film every, all of it on sound stages he couldn't go out anywhere oh, yeah wow. um, he was yeah he was quite uh, poorly for the last few years of his life but was still there getting all the makeup on and doing his thing and just still being Saruman it's just hmm. so so great and it, it yeah it's just one of the joys um director Peter Jackson gave one of the rings used in the movie to Elijah Wood and to Andy Serkis as a gift when they finished the film uh, oh. Andy Serkis provides uh, it, it is gone oh um, right yeah so yeah uh they both thought they only had they had the only one though oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they only found out a couple of years later oh that's great Peter what a trickster mm. Uh, Gandalf's painful encounter with a ceiling beam in Bilbo's Hobbit yeah. Hole is not in the script. Uh, Ian McKellen banged his forehead against the beam. What a professional. Beam. Just yeah. like not being like, ah, oh, crap, cut. He yeah. just like, he just goes well, with it. Well, he's a stage actor. Like yeah. he's he's got a staying character. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And they kept it in the film. Uh, there's a lot of injury trivia um, for this and the other films. So we're going to just sort yeah. of very quickly skip over those as they come. Mm. Uh, Viggo Mortensen is responsible for most of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the two towers one's going to be fun i'm gonna yeah to yeah the two towers one is particularly painful um but however Viggo mortensen joined the movie when it had already begun shooting he wasn't oh, the original aragorn, original aragorn. Oh. this is a very interesting story because that yeah. guy is super young mm. like he's probably the same age as like elijah wood and stuff mm. and like literally they started filming and they're like no he's just like he doesn't work for aragorn he's like 22 or something and he's just he's like a weird pretty boy Mm. um that that would be harsh though imagine Mm. like 
getting the like the, oh, your dream yeah. role and being like getting on set and shooting and then them being like mm, it's no. just not working. Sorry, we're gonna get Vigo in. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Oh, and then watching the movies. And then oh. seeing them be super successful. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Listening to podcasts like this. Yeah. Yeah. If you are, yeah, if you are listening, uh, Stuart Townsend, we apologize. <laughs> so Stewie. Uh, and if you want to come for a chat and tell us about your four days on set, please do. Um, so Viggo Mortensen joined. He'd never read um, the book, uh, but he was convinced to do it because his 11-year-old son, Henry, oh. uh, basically said, no, dad, you really need to do it. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, thank you, Henry, for uh, giving us Vigo. Uh, the elvish language lines spoken in the movie are not just quotes from the book, but were derived from Tolkien's own limited dictionary of the language, because he mm. created the elvish yeah, language. Yeah. Uh, dialect coach Andrew Jack used recordings of Tolkien reading his books to guide the actors and actresses oh, on so their pronunciation. Cool. Wow. And also, Ian McKellen based his Gandalf voice off Tolkien's voice. Oh, cool. So, obviously, it still sounds a lot like Ian McKellen. Yeah. yeah but like... certain pronunciations or pacings he based yeah. off recordings of Tolkien. Oh, fantastic. Which I think is just really cool. Yeah. It's just neat. Mm. Uh, Viggo Mortensen did all his own stunts, unsurprisingly. Yeah. He's a badass. Um, <laughs> he also insisted on using the only real steel sword. Um, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> Everyone else was using uh, lighter aluminium swords or safe rubber swords. Uh, he insisted on using He wanted using the weight. Them. So, yeah, all the other stuntmen were like, oh, crap. <laughs> mm. this, is, this one's going to hurt. Uh, the cast often had to fly to remote locations by helicopter, but Sean Bean, Sean Bean is afraid of flying, probably because he's seen how many times he dies in films. He doesn't want to risk it. <laughs> um, so when they were shooting those scenes of the Fellowship crossing the Snowy Mountains, he'd spend two hours every morning climbing... Uh, from the base of the mountain to the set, dressed in Boromir's costume because obviously he couldn't light. carry it up. It's not a light costume. No. And so everyone taking the helicopters up could just see this little Boromir yeah. climbing the mountain every day. Wow. I mean, it got, would have gotten into character though. Yeah, well, that's yeah. it. You got your time to prepare. You know, you're ready. You're ready for your scene when yeah, you get I mean, there. Yeah, it's very method. Oh, trudging through the snow again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when Bilbo drops the ring before leaving Hobbiton. The floor was magnetized was to prevent the ring from cool. bouncing. Oh. Uh, it just kind of thuds. Yeah. Like there's more it? weight to it than there should yeah. be. Yeah. And it was also partly done to demonstrate the importance of the ring, but it was also just to stop it bouncing yeah. or rolling away. And it is great because it's, it's, it's really subtle. And until I read that, it never occurred to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, same. I clogged that when I watched it. I was like, is it just a heavy ring? Do they magnetize it? I wasn't sure. But mm. I just, yeah, I love that. It just thuds. Mm. Uh, when Pippin is hit in the head with apples uh, after asking about the second breakfast, hmm. uh, Viggo Mortensen was the one chucking the apple at his head. Of course. Uh, <laughs> they shot it 16 times to get it right. Um, Billy Boyd has said that he believed Viggo Mortensen enjoyed himself immensely. <laughs> <laughs> when the dragon firework goes off at the party, uh, there's a shriek heard. That is Billy Boyd actually screaming because he was unaware at the time that the firework was actually going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the veteran swordmaster Bob Anderson, who obviously trained everyone up in the sword fighting, said that Viggo Mortensen was, quote, the best swordsman I ever trained. Oh, my God. <laughs> and v- Viggo had never used a sword in, yeah. in films yeah. prior to this. And the first scene he shot was the fight with the ring raves on Amon Ham. Mm. And he'd not done any of the sword training because obviously he was just thrown in quite oh, late. Oh, right, yeah. So, yeah, he's just given it a go. And, like, because he's also got the flaming torch and he's sort of using yeah. both of them. And he looks great. He looks yeah. so good, yeah. I mean, I did notice that this was something I noticed for the first time with this one was it, it slowed down a little bit. There's a little bit of, like, 10% slower oh. pacing. Yeah, yeah. I... Because it's meant to, you know, they're trying to show all the cool stuff that's happening. And then there's a couple of shots of them moving full speed and then it slows back down again. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just great, but particularly when you consider, all right, this is your first day of shooting, go fight five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Go light some people on fire. Mm. <laughs> the hobbits needed to appear about three to four feet tall, uh, so tiny compared to Gandalf, yeah. who's meant to be seven foot. Um, so they had to use the false perspective for most of their shots. So quite often Ian McKellen mm. is just standing very close to the camera uh, and cool. the others are far away. Yeah. And they're just trying to work out where the sight lines are yeah. and then talking like it's normal. <laughs> Um, Viggo Mortensen purchased Arwen's horse after production and gave it to Liv Tyler's riding double. That's really what? cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So obviously this riding double had spent a lot of time with she the really horse. Loved the yeah. horse yeah. And Viggo just went, I've bought it. You can have She's it. Like, go yeah. on then. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So good guy, Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> 
Um, this movie was shot at the same time as the two sequels, The Two Towers and The Return of the King. Uh, they were all being filmed simultaneously. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so the back-to-back shoot lasted a record equaling 274 days Oof. over 16 months. This is the exact same time that was taken for the principal photography of Apocalypse Now. Now, that's, Apocalypse Now is one film. Yeah. But a very troubled film. A very troubled film and a very densely packed film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it took the exact same length mm. of time to make the Lord of the Rings trilogy in terms of shooting days yeah. as it did Apocalypse yeah. Now. Boromir's speech at the Council of Rivendell was read from a sheet of paper that was on Sean Bean's knee because he only got the lines the night before. <laughs> his knee yeah i actually think just boromir wrote down his his thoughts one does not simply walk into mordor uh liv tyler spoke with a much deeper voice than usual when she played arwen to the point where her father uh, aerosmith stephen tyler (laughs) uh, asked if they had got someone else to dub her in so yeah apparently she has a very high-pitched voice (laughs) she's Uh, like it doesn't quite suit this character maybe i'll go a bit lower a bit more husky Mm. Um, it is estimated that filming the trilogy pumped about $200 million into the economy of New Zealand. Oh, the New Zealand government even created a position of Minister for Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. Whose remit was to exploit all economic opportunities the movies represented. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have not that's stopped great. that. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, embrace it. Anyone that's definitely. been to the, to the Hobbiton set or the tours over in, um, in New Zealand. I will... still haven't been to New Zealand. Oh, you, you need to go know, top of the list yeah yeah well uh, actually when sarah is here uh, for next week's episode she's been twice i think so <laughs> she'll, <laughs> yeah she'll be there giving it all yeah. um peter jackson originally planned to hire only british actors for the roles of the hobbits so billy boyd oh, and dominic monaghan yeah. are both british but um he ended up just really liking elijah wood and sean yeah. astin so he got uh, Dominic and Billy to train them in British pub culture so they wouldn't look out oh. of place in oh. pub <laughs> so basically they just took them out to drinking the a bunch yeah. of times and explained and... how you're meant to behave yeah. in a pub <laughs> sounds like a real difficult gig <laughs> yeah. what we have to spend time in a pub oh, oh, no. No. we might we might manage uh, Hobbiton was made a year before production began to make it look like a natural lived in place oh. complete with real vegetable patches the greens department oh. regulated the length of the grass by having sheep eat it. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> just makes it even more wholesome. Yeah, the fact it, that it's just like, it's, I don't know, it's just an actual set up neighborhood. They literally than, just made a small town. They did, yeah. And just let it flourish for a year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee's extensive knowledge of the books came in useful. He frequently visited the makeup department and gave tips about the facial designs for monsters. (laughs) (laughs) No, what you want here is you want more of a snout. (laughs) The snout signifies evil. (laughs) Okay, Sir Chris, thank you. Whatever you say, Chris, whatever you say. Thank you, Chris. He'd be a very intense co-worker. He would, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. But you would listen to everything he says. You'd be forced to. He's a very, very boomy voice. Um, Orlando Bloom did most of his own stunts and broke a rib in the process. Oh, dear. Um, (laughs) Also, interestingly, Orlando Bloom didn't audition for Legolas. He originally auditioned for a character who's going to be in the second film called Faramir. Um, So, obviously, you know Faramir. Uh, Faramir is someone you'll see in the second film. Um, Obviously, that part went to somebody else, but he got called back and cast in the more prominent role of Legolas. Well, there you go. So, good on him. Well done, Orlando. Viggo Mortensen kept his sword with him at all times offset so that he could remain in character. <laughs> he was questioned several times by police. <laughs> with his real sword. Yeah. Well, he'd do like his sword training just out in like public places. And when filming <laughs> had begun, there were just real people in New Zealand walking around going, that man's playing around with a sword. Yeah. And they'd call the police. Yeah. And so eventually they'd learn it's just Viggo it's Mortensen. It's just Viggo, don't worry about it. Yeah. He's just having a train. Mm. Now... Eight of the nine members of the Fellowship got a small tattoo with the word nine spelt out in Tengwa, which is an Elvish script. Mm. Um, they got it in a tattoo parlor in Wellington to commemorate the experience of the movie. The member who didn't get the tattoo was John Rhys Davis, 
but he did send his stunt double in his place to get the oh tattoo. <laughs> did he say why he didn't want it? It doesn't say here, but um, I'm I'm just guessing he was just like, mm, not for me. I yeah. can't believe so. Ian got it, and he. Oh yeah, no, the rest of them got it. I think yeah, yeah I think I've watched uh, like interviews where I think Sir Ian has shown his tattoo. That's He's so like, cool. yeah, like this is. I think it's like on his wrist or something. It's Ian's on, on his shoulder. Oh, it's on his shoulder. Yeah. Um, what a cool dude. I've got a full list here of oh, where they yeah. all are. Yes, uh, Elijah Woods is on his lower stomach. Sean Astin and Billy Boyd have theirs on their ankles, which was to commemorate all the hours in Hobbit feet. Mm. Um, Orlando Bloom has it on his forearm, and it's visible during a fight scene in the first Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> film. Um, Dominic Monaghan is also on his shoulder, and Sean Bean has the tattoo uh, on his right shoulder. Viggo Mortensen has it on his left shoulder, and it was briefly visible in uh, the movie Eastern Promises. So... Yes, um, they certainly had some fun with that. Um, whilst filming the trilogy, Viggo Mortensen got so into character that during a conversation, Peter Jackson referred to him as Aragon for over half an hour without him realising. <laughs> um, over 12 and a million plastic rings were made in order to fabricate the simulated chain mail for this film. Uh, two crew members spent the length of the shoots. This is yep. all they did for 16 months. They would link the rings by hand into suits of armor. Oh my god! Chainmail is not easy to make. By the end of the production, they had worn the fingerprints off <gasps> of their thumb and index fingers. Jeez, yeah. Oh wow! I, I, that's one of the bits I distinctly remember from the behind-the-scenes stuff. Just interviews with these people, just in like, just like a small room, poorly lit, and they just sit there all day oh. for like years. For making, years. Making chainmail armor. Mm. But, the, oh. <laughs> so did they do this before? Obviously, because they, they need the, yeah, the they costumes. Yeah, they would have so spent a couple of years. Day, a couple of years before the film actually was shot. Would have done, yeah. Uh, yeah, they would have started before, but it went through as well. Because oh, there's more well. and more extras and stuff that need right. it as the films go on. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Oof. Yeah, tough gig but... tough gig hope they got paid well well yeah you have to appreciate <laughs> yeah. that chain well. um, the moth to which Gandalf whispers oh, was yes. born shortly before filming that day and died soon after sh- the shooting of the oh. scene so that moth was not alive for long but is forever immortalised yeah. in this oh, film that's nice it's it a cute more than one. a lot of moths will ever do yeah the candle that burns half <laughs> twice <laughs> as bright lives half as long um, during the Council of Elrond, leaves are continually falling in the background. Now, these leaves were being dropped by about half a dozen crew members who were positioned above the set. Yeah. But they were all real leaves, um, so they'd been collected. But obviously, real leaves go brown very quickly. Mm. So all of those leaves were individually painted to look oh, wow. fresher. And then they just stood there dropping so them. So many. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm on leaf duty today. Oh, you're lucky. I'm still making chainmail. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, Bilbo Baggins' birthday cake has 111 candles Aww. on it, and it eventually set fire to the polystyrene cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently briefly visible in one shot in the background where the cake is starting to set oh on fire itself. Oh, I have no idea. That's so good. Um, the blacksmiths for this film, uh, the Weta Workshop staff, are in the film as the orc blacksmiths. <gasps> oh, cool. that's cool. So yeah. they're actually fashioning the so swords. The, yeah, the people yeah. who actually made the weapons for the film got wow. dressed up as orcs and did all the that's stuff. That's great. That's awesome. I mean, if you've got them, yeah, then you might it. as well. Uh, John Reese davis suffered uh, from a reaction to his prosthetics, mm. usually inflammation around the eyes. This meant that he couldn't ever be filmed on consecutive days and would require at least a day for his skin to return to normal. And it always took him at least three hours to get his stuff on. That's intense. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's full on. But, I mean, he stuck with it. He stuck yeah. with it, yeah, mm. for the whole yeah. shoot. Of yeah, the... 274 oh, wow. days. When the Fellowship comes out of hiding from the crows during uh, the stop on the hill, uh, Gandalf is meant to say, Spies of Saruman. However, during the first take of his scene, Sir Ian McKellen jokingly said, Spies of Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, the first prequel film is being made at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Just purposely ruining takes. (laughs) Yeah. I know we're all working very hard, but I've got a zinger. I've got to say. Yeah. Uh, The scream of the ring wraiths was actually uh, a scream performed by the co-writer and producer, Fran Walsh. Ah. Yeah, Yeah, they just pitched it up and added some more elements into it. So yeah, Fran is who you have to blame for that. I'm going to have that in my dreams, honestly. Mm. 
More than 1,600 pairs of latex ears and feet were made during the shoot, uh, cooked in a special oven for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was no way of removing the feet at the end of the day without damaging them, so each pair could only be used once. The used feet were then shredded to prevent a black market of stolen hobbit feet. Oh my god. (laughs) Uh, Dominic Monaghan did keep a pair, though. He managed to sneak a pair away. Imagine people trying to flog hobbit feet at, like, the Sunday market or something. This has been on Elijah Wood's foot all day. So Sean Connery was at one point offered the role of Gandalf, but turned it down due to reportedly not understanding the story. He he did leave Extraordinary Gentleman instead, I believe. I think the he did do that film because that was one of his last films. But I believe the shooting for that was he could have probably done both. I think there was something he turned down to do League. Yeah. And then he quit acting because of Lee, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he, he it probably was something like this, but I think the bigger thing was he just didn't understand it. Yeah. That's kind of cool, though. I think it's nice that, you know, he's like, oh, like, I don't really get it, so... Yeah, that's fair. Get someone well, else in. He's not you know, passionate like, about it. Yeah. Don't yeah, and it. you probably need to be passionate yeah, about I this. So. I mean, with the amount of injuries that you're going to mm. get. <laughs> uh, yeah, now here's a game that I've uh, just oh. made up for you all called How Many Eggs? do 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 I want to know how many eggs were served to the cast and crew for breakfast every day of shooting. You mean oh, all, all up? Every so every day, this is the number of eggs that was cooked. Oh, okay. So per how many day. per day? Oh. Cast and crew, how many eggs? Do I get to know how wh- what the amount of cast and crew there there was? You don't, because I don't have it in front of me. All right then. Uh, nine hundred and sixty-four. Nine hundred and sixty-four. Okay. I'm gonna go with. No, I want to go higher. Um. 1,964. It's tight. Oh. I'm just going to have to do some quick mental arithmetic. Think we can do Jeopardy rules. Or uh, pri- Je- pri- Price is Right rules. What's Price What's is Right rules? Uh, closest without going over. In that case... <laughs> closest without going over? You went too high. In that case, uh, Andrew <laughs> would win. Ah. The, <laughs> the correct answer is 1,460 eggs. And that's how many oh. eggs I win for getting that? Yes. Right. <laughs> yes, behind this curtain. <laughs> you get eggs and you get eggs. Yeah, that's a lot of eggs. That's a lot of eggs. Each day as Each well. Each day. That's I some... love eggs, but that's, that's too many eggs. Mm. That's some busy chickens. Mm. Clearly, no vegans were present. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do, do, do. The four actors playing the hobbits would have to go on to set. Uh, sorry, would have to go into makeup at five a.m. and stand for an hour and a half while their prosthetic feet were applied. Uh, pleasingly, Sean Astin's personal makeup artist was. <laughs> his name is Sean Foot. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> oh. So lovely stuff there. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen teased Sir Ian Holm that his old age made made him resemble Judy Dench's mother. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> a bit of banter. <laughs> mm. um, David Bowie expressed an interest in playing the role of Lord Elrond, but Peter Jackson stated to have a famous beloved character and a famous star colliding is slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it would have been very distracting to have Bowie in there. Yeah. Yeah. And he's go- weaving was so good. Yeah, he's a Goblin King anyway, so. He can't be a Goblin King and an Elf King. He can't be, he can't be. Pregnancies changed Peter Jackson's vision of the Lord of the Rings. Originally, he wanted to cast Lucy Lawless as Galadriel and Uma Thurman as Arwen, but both became pregnant around the time of the shoot. Uh, Lucy Lawless still would have done a great job. Yeah. Wonder Woman! So uh, instead, (laughs) we ended up with Kate Blanchett and Liv Tyler. Still great choices. Still great. Mm. The Beatles wanted to star in an adaption of Lord of the Rings and asked the film director Stanley Kubrick to direct it. Kubrick declined, feeling that the book was unfilmable. This is the man who made 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, The casting would have been Sir Paul McCartney as Frodo, (laughs) George Harrison as Gandalf. They didn't even want to order The Hobbits. Ringo Starr as Samwise. And John Lennon as Gollum. Did they just did they just get bored? Were they like, oh, I think they may have. Been I don't want to make another what album. Make? <laughs> let's uh, let's make oh, our own I adaption. Be you shall not pass. <laughs> it's mine, my own, my precious. <laughs> and the final bit of trivia: Sean Bean has named his death as Boromir 
as his favourite on-screen death. Oh, that's a big a call from death. Sean. Mm. Yeah. He's got a lot to pick from. He's got from. a lot, He's got to got pick a lot from. out there. Yeah. I mean, personally, you know, the uh, the James Bond one always stands out for me. Um, that's the one where there's a very big explosion and something very heavy falls on him. And it's just, um, it's just thematically very, I just, ha- I watched it when I was quite young yeah. mm. and it just always stands out as being, that's not a good way to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's, Sean Bean says that's his favorite. So that, that's a good one to pick. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we, we have managed to record the episode the same day we watched the film. Woo. Yay! Uh, so let's score the film and get out of here. Uh, <laughs> so there, we'll start with you, Rihanna. This was your Ooh. first time watching Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. What would you give it out of 10? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's definitely up there. I just don't know if I want to start off as a 10 because I've still got two more to go, you know? Mm. Like, uh, maybe I'll go... I'll go... Oh. What are you feeling? Like, if you were just watching this as a, as a standalone film. If it was just a standalone film. Yeah. And if you weren't coming back to review the others. I reckon I'd, yeah, probably like a nine, I reckon. Mm. It's, mm. Pretty, it's pretty good. It's almost a ten. Almost a ten, but you're yeah. going yeah. with a nine. Yeah, yeah I'm going, going with a nine. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Andrew? Um, I would give it eight and a half throne dwarves out of ten. Mm. Mm. I would go nine, but that is reserved for later. That's true. I had the context. Yeah. That's true. I'm just curious if you had to pick a favorite of the three. Two towers. Two towers. Yeah. Okay. So. And that's the next one, isn't it? That yes. is the next mm. one. Yeah. Uh, and for me, um, oh, I really like the fellowship. Um, my, my own ranking, I sort of flip flop between fellowship and two towers as my favorite. They're very close. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And that's not to say Return of the King, the third one, is a bad film. No, it's just that I, I think there's just something very special about the way those first two films uh, hit me and impacted me. And when I watch them and I've got very sort of strong memories, particularly with Two Towers, which yeah. tends to be the one I side towards as being my favourite. Um, but Fellowship is just so good. It's just a wonderful film um i'm just really glad i got to watch it twice in a week it doesn't doesn't happen a very lucky man yeah so um i i'm gonna give it nine um stabbed beds (laughs) out of ten yeah just uh yes so uh a tremendous film and uh brings us to the end of part one of our three-part delve into Middle yeah. Earth. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Thank you for having me. And Rihanna, thank you for joining us for this first part. Thank you. Excited yeah. for the next one. Enjoy yeah. the rest. Thanks. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> All right. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for joining us as well. If you've got any thoughts on uh, Lord of the Rings or things of that nature, you can leave them with us over at Facebook. Just go to Facebook and type in the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Give us a like and give us your own mini reviews if you want to let us know what you think about the films. Uh, if you want to hear the other two episodes but are like, oh, I just wish there was a way they'd automatically come to my phone or laptop (laughs) subscribe dummy uh we've got uh, itunes or soundcloud or other podcasting or podcatching services just hit that subscribe button and uh we are also available on patreon there's a you know it's a special bit of the club they get some extra bonus goodies uh so if you want to find out what they are just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and join us there but that's all for this week so until next time one ring to rule them all One ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness, bind them. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. I don't know that well yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give it two more films, you'll get it. <laughs> mm.
Oh, thank you, Howard Shaw, for an excellent soundtrack. Oh, good job. Oh, yeah. Didn't thank even you. mention it. Sorry, Howard. You did great. Yeah, well done. We'll talk about you more in the second part. <laughs> Bye. Bye.